Welcome to my share. This week we're going to be talking about Purim. It's uh, uh, on Tanis Esther today, and uh, we're fasting. It's an interesting fast because actually the fast that we are commemorating uh, didn't occur the day before Purim. It occurred uh, almost a year earlier when uh, Esther, Queen Esther, went into Ahasuerus to uh, to begin the process of the Geula that occurred on Purim. Uh, and uh, so it was many months earlier, and in the interim, of course, many things happened. But we fast because it's appropriate to fast on a day before we celebrate, because uh, as you're going to see in the course of this year, one of the things I'm going to be talking about is no pain, no gain. Uh, that uh, if you don't go through some type of process of uh, difficulty, of challenge, uh, uh, then you're never going to have the the result, the end result, which is the positivity and the upbeat of the celebration of Purim. So today we're fasting and in anticipation of a wonderful and uh, celebration that we're going to have on Purim, I want to wish you all Purim Sameach. So you know that uh, there are two festivals in the Jewish calendar cycle which are not in the Torah. So we know of the festivals that are in the Torah. We have Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Shemini Atzeres, Pesach, and Shavuos. Those festivals are all mentioned in the Torah on a number of occasions, and we discuss the various aspects of those festivals in the Torah. But there's two festivals that are not mentioned in the Torah. Uh, one of them is mentioned in Megillas Esther, which we're going to be reading on Purim. The other one isn't mentioned at all in Tanakh, it's mentioned only in the Gemara, it's mentioned in the Gemara in Shabbos, and of course it's brought down Halacha. Purim and Hanukkah, those are the festivals that we're talking about. Purim actually didn't happen during the period of, as it were, the Tanakh, the Nevi'im. It happened right at the end of that period of Jewish history, in the uh, years between the end of the first Beis HaMikdash and the beginning of the second Beis HaMikdash. I can't date it precisely, it's not important. It happened during the Golos. It's a Golos festival. And so too Hanukkah, in a certain way, is also a Golos festival. Why? Because there was a period, a slight period of Golos, of, you know, a, a reduction of Jewish control over Jerusalem by the fact that the Greeks had taken control and had inserted their own effigies, their own pagan idols into the Mokom HaMikdosh, into the place where the Beis HaMikdosh was. So it's a, like a little, it's an, a, a period, a window of Golos, even though it was during the time of the second Beis HaMikdosh. They're Golos festivals, that's what they are. And we have Purim and we have Hanukkah. Now according to tradition, Hanukkah relates to Torah Sheba'al Peh. Why? It's obvious, because it's not in Tanakh. We don't find Hanukkah in Tanakh. There's no book relating to Hanukkah in uh, Nevi'im or Ksuvim, and therefore it's considered to be a festival which is a celebration of Torah Sheba'al Peh, whereas Purim is a festival which is associated with Torah Sheba'al Why? Because it appears in Tanakh. We have Megillas Esther. We're going to read it on Purim. So we have a document as part of the Hebrew Scriptures, that is part of Tanakh, that is associated with Purim. So it's considered to be a festival in which we 
which I, I don't know how to best express it, but it is closely connected to Torah Shebichsav, the written Torah. Whereas Hanukkah is Torah Shebaal Peh, which is the oral traditions, which were not written down until much later in Jewish history, during the time of the Talmud, which was after the destruction of the second Beis HaMikdosh, many hundreds of years later. Okay, the question I want to ask you is this. Surely, Purim should be a festival that is associated with Torah Shebaal Peh. And listen carefully to this. The Gemara in Shabbos, Daf Peches says that God dangled, as it were, a mountain over the Jewish people. He took Har Sinai, uprooted it. I, I don't know exactly what this means, but you can picture it. It's a very dramatic scene. He took a mountain, he dangled it over the Jewish people, over their heads, like a lid. That's what it says. Kofu alem har and he threatened them. Either you accept the Torah, or this will be your grave. I'm going to read you the Gemara. The Gemara here in in Peches Amud Aleph in Maseches Shabbos. Ve'isyatzvu betachtis ahar. The Torah says, uh, the pasuk says Moshe brought the people out of the camp to meet God, as it were, and they stood at the lowermost part of the mount. Ve'isyatzvu betachtis ahar. Amar Rav Abdimi Bar Choma Bar Chaso. So he said as follows: Melame chekofa hakodesh borchu aleim es hahar. We learn from this posuk, because betachtis could also mean underneath, not just the foot of, but underneath, that God dangled the mountain above the Jews like a lid and said to them, if you accept the Torah, that's very wonderful, you're going to get buried here. This is your grave. Says Rav Achabar Yaakov, from here there is a substantial caveat to the obligation to fill the Torah. By the way, what, what does he mean, Rav Achabar Yaakov? He's saying if they didn't accept it fully, if the Jewish people never accepted the Torah fully, how can you hold them responsible when they don't observe all the precepts, all the laws that are contained in the Torah? It's not fair because they were forced to do it. In a situation where you're forced to do doing something, you've got a gun to your head, there's absolutely no way you could be held responsible if later on you say, well, actually, I didn't really want to do it, but you forced me at that moment in time. Now that I'm no longer being forced, I don't want to do it. Says Rav Achaba Yaakov, we have a perfect excuse for the Jewish people, if they don't always observe Torah law, because that God dangled the mountain over their heads like a lid, and he said, you're going to get buried here if you don't accept the Torah. Well, what choice did they have? So Rava responds to Rav Acha by Yaakov, and he says as follows, Yes, that may have been the case during the period before the Purim story, However, Hodur Kiblu at the time of the Purim story, they did accept the Torah willingly, not reluctantly, not under the gun, as it were. They accepted the Torah willingly. How do we know? Because Dichsiv Kiyamu Vekiblu Hayahudim. It says there we have this expression of Kiyamu Vekiblu Hayahudim. Kiyamu Kiblu Kvar, they, um, they uh, uh, carried out what they had already accepted. That was what was going on at the time of the Megillah. And uh, 
the, the Jewish people accepted the Torah. So there's no excuses anymore. Maybe you would have had an excuse during the time of the first base. Amikdosh, you no longer have an excuse not to observe the Torah. Of course, uh, Rava and Rav Achab Yaakov lived at the time of the Gemara, which was many hundreds of years, more than 500, 600 years after the end of the period of, uh, of the um, Golas between the first base and the second base. If I work it out, I can't work it out exactly, but we know that the Gemara was only completed in the fourth century. And if that's the case, uh, and, the, and we know that it was at least 500 years before the destruction of the base Amikdash, or whatever the number is, that the story of the, of the Purim story occurred. So it's many, many centuries later. So Rava is telling of Rachab Yaakov, you're looking for a get out clause. You, this is your disclaimer. Sorry, the disclaimer doesn't work. And we have it there enshrined in the words of Megillus Esther that the Jewish people, they did a new version of Naaseh Vanishma where they did it willingly. They didn't do it because somebody was threatening to kill them. So that is the Gemara in, uh, in Shabbos Daf Peiches Omad Aleph. Even though the Jewish people said Naaseh Vanishma, the Kabbalah Satur at Mount Sinai somehow was lacking in something because there was an element of compulsion of being forced, even if in the end they were uh, going to accept it anyway. Let's say the Jewish people said, I, even if you wouldn't have forced us, we would have accepted it. But there was some element of Kofu Alem Har and therefore it lacked, it wasn't 100%, whether it was 98% or 64% that we can debate and discuss, but it wasn't 100%. When was the Torah fully accepted? The Gemara says, that at that moment, they, they re-accepted the Torah, at that time willingly. They accepted it again at the time of King Achashverosh, because it says in the Megillah, Ki v'kiblu hayuhudim. Now, all the commentaries pounce on this Gomorrah like carnivores. And they ask the question, why did the Jewish people need to be forced? Why didn't they accept the Torah willingly? Every one of the Mephorshim deals with this question. They're very puzzled by this Gomorrah. And there's a number of answers, but the most prominent one of those answers is as follows. The most famous answer is the idea that the Jewish people willingly accepted Torah Shabbat. That means the Torah that was written down in the Torah. They said whatever Hashem writes down through the medium of Moshe Rabbeinu, that we accept. They said, Naseh v'nishma. Naseh, we're going to do whatever it says in the Torah. V'nishma, and we'll listen to it later. We'll hear the explanations for whatever it is later, whatever it says in the Torah, we shall do. But they were reluctant to accept the Torah Shabal Peh, the oral traditions that accompanied the Torah. Whether that means Halacha um, Lemoshim Sinai, or whether it means all the different methods that we have to interpret the Torah, that's not clear. But Torah Shabal Peh, whatever that may mean, and we're going to look a little bit more at Torah Shabal Peh during the course of this year, whatever it means that there is an oral Torah was something that they weren't willing to just accept blindly. Obviously, what the Torah says and what Hashem writes and what Moshe Rabbeinu tells us that this is, these, these are Hashem's words, that we're willing to accept. Torah Shabal Peh, we're a little bit more reluctant. So God threatened them. He said, no, no, this is a package deal. 
you have to accept the Torah Shabal Peh with the Torah Shabal One without the other doesn't work, and therefore they accepted it. Why? Out of fear of an annihilation. If you look at the Pnei Yeshua, that's the explanation. I mean, he, he puts it together beautifully, but there's many other sources that you can look at that give this idea that the the original accepting of the Torah, the Nasev and Ishma, was wholehearted and complete when it came to Torah Shabichsav, but it was lacking when it came to Torah Shabalpeh, and therefore God threatened the Jewish people after which they accepted it, if what reluctantly may have said they would have accepted it anyway, if it would have been explained to them. But much later on, during the story of Purim, Kiyamuva Kibluha Yehudim, Torah Shabalpeh, they accepted unquestioningly and they were happy to have it. Which surely means, I mean, and this is why I brought this Gemara into the Shia, it surely means that Purim is most closely associated with Torah Shabal Peh, right? Because if you think about it, if the entire concept of Purim is that's what the Gemara says in Meseches Shabbos, that they accepted they accepted Torah Shabbat al which they had not accepted at Ma'amad Har Sinai, then surely Purim should be a festival of Torah Shabbat al Okay, it's in Torah Shabbat it's in Tanakh, so what? But we see the Gemara is very explicit that it discusses the fact that Kiyamuva Kibla Yehudim is talking about Torah Shabbat Peh, that the Nasev Anishma was Torah and Purim was a Nasev Anishma on Torah Shabbat Peh. So why is Hanukkah considered the Yom Tov of Torah Shabbat Peh and Purim considered the festival of Torah Shabbat It's a good question. That's what we're going to address today in the Shir. Now, I want to ask you another question. It's unrelated, but you're going to see it's related. What's the halacha? What would be the halacha if Purim falls on Shabbos? Now you're going to say to me, it can't happen because you live in Chutzla Oretz. I mean, obviously I have viewers and listeners who live in Eretz Yisrael, but those of you who live in Chutzla Oretz, you're going to say to me, it's not possible because our 19-year cycle, it's a preset cycle, has, it's calibrated in such a way that Purim and Chutzla Oretz can never happen on Shabbos. But that's not true in Eretz Yisrael because Purim, if you live in Yerushalayim, is on Shushan Purim. And if Purim, for everywhere else, falls on Friday, that means Purim can fall on Shabbos. Okay, so we do have situations where Purim can fall on Shabbos. By the way, before there was a 19-year preset cycle, and we went according to when the witnesses saw the new moon, it was perfectly possible for Purim to occur on a Shabbos. Why? Because it's just the way it is. Even now, when we look at our calendar, occasionally we see that the Moilad doesn't quite match up with Rosh Chodesh. And we know that the 19-year cycle is almost precise, but not quite precise. And uh, if you know anything about lunar cycles, you'll know that occasionally Rosh Chodesh falls not on Rosh Chodesh. And it could per perfect, it's perfectly possible for it to happen that Purim would fall on Shabbos. Okay, now what are the halochas? The Megillah can't be read on Shabbos. Why? Shemo Yavirenu. Because you might find a mistake in the Megillah and you're going to carry it and there's not going to be an Eruv. You're going to carry it to a Mumcha. You're going to carry it to a Seifer because you're going to want to know if the, if the Megillah that you're going to read from is kosher and uh, you're going to carry it in the street on Shabbos. Therefore, Chazal made a Takona 
that you're not allowed to read Megillah on Shabbos. So when do you read the Megillah? You read it on Friday. That's when you read the Megillah. You push it back by one day, which per makes perfect sense because especially now where the only way it can happen is for Purim to fall on the 15th of Adar, on Shushan Purim in Yerushalayim, you can't read Megillah on the 16th. That's not one of the dates that's brought in the Mishnah in Megillah. But you, of course, can read it on the 14th because that's going to be Purim. It's going to be Purim for everywhere. So you read the Megillah on the 14th of Adar. You don't read it on Shabbos. Okay. You, by the way, you do say Alanisim and you say Bime Modachayva Este, that you do say on Shabbos. What about the Su'uda? Su'udas Purim. When should you have Su'udas Purim? The Gemara actually doesn't go into it. Uh, but the Rishonim say that you can't do Su'udas Purim on Shabbos. Why not? Because the Suda that you have on Shabbos cannot be eclipsed by the Suda that you would do for Purim. And because Purim is the day that you're really focused on, if it's Purim, if you do Su'udas Purim on Shabbos, somehow that's going to take away from the uh, holiness, the sanctity of Shabbos. Therefore, I guess Rishonim, I don't want to call it Takona or Gzeira, but they said the halacha is you don't do the Su'udas Purim on Shabbos. So when do you do it? You push it off. You do what's called a Tashlumin Su'uda. It's the same as if you would, and this of course is brought in uh, in the halacha by Chazal, that if let's say you missed Shachris, you missed the Tfilah, the Shman Esrei of Shachris, what do you do? You have a tefillah Shemana Esra that you can, you can make up for Shachris in Mincha. You daven Mincha and then after you finish Mincha you do a second Shemana Esra. It's called Tashlumin. And you make up for the fact that you missed the Shemana Esra of Shachris. You say a second Amida and then you can make up for it. You have a similar situation with Su'udas Purim. You couldn't do the Su'uda on Shabbos for the reasons that I've mentioned. But you still have to do Su'udas Purim. So you have a Tashlumin Su'uda that you're going to do after Purim is over, after Shabbos is over, you're going to do it on Sunday. Now have a, here's the question, here's the Shaila for you. So you have to put your rabbinic hat on. When do you do Sudas Purim if you couldn't do it on Shabbos and now you have to do it on Sunday? When do you do it? Do you do it in the night? immediately after Shabbos is over, Matzah Shabbos, you make a Malava Malka, and that Malava Malka is Sudas Purim, or do you wait until the day? So, the fact is that all the mitzvahs of Purim have to be done during the daytime. That's, that's the, you know, by the way, we're going to read Megillah. We're going to read Megillah in the night, but we read it again in the morning. Why do we read it again in the morning? Because you read the Megillah in the night to acknowledge the nace of Purim, but it's not sufficient because all the mitzvahs of Purim have to be done by Yoim. You give Shlachmonas, you give Matonas Le'ev Yoimim, and you have a Su'uda, you have to have it during the day. So Megillah is also in the day. In fact, the nace is celebrated in the day and there's an association of the day. All the mitzvahs are done in the day, so the Megillah of the night is not sufficient. The same is true of the Suda. You don't have the Suda of Purim at night. Of course, you could eat at night, but that's not when we have it. We have the Suda in the daytime. So, what if you missed the day of Purim? Why? Because Purim was on Shabbos. So Purim was on Shabbos and you didn't do the Suda. So now when do you do it? Normally, we do the Suda's Purim in the daytime 
But what about if it's no longer Purim? It's a Tashlumin Suda. It's a makeup for something that you missed on Purim. Do you still have to do it in the day? Or can you do it at night because it's a Tashlumin and therefore uh, it's not relevant to do it in the day because it's nothing to do with about this association of the mitzvahs. It's a machloikas. It's a debate between two very great rabbinic figures of the modern era. One of them is the Meshech Chochma, Rabbeya Simcha Koen of Dvinsk, and the other one is the Chasam Soifer. Chasam Soifer lived roughly a hundred years before the Meshech Chochma, but it's an incredible debate between these two giants of, uh, of Jewish learning, the Meshech Chochma and the Chasam Soifer. Rabbeya Simcha says in Meshech Chochma that you can eat the Su'udas Purim on Saturday night, on Matzoi Shabbos, and actually, he says as follows, he says it might be preferable. It's probably better to eat the Suda at night than to eat it during the day. If you're eating the Suda on Purim, of course you have to eat it during the day for the reasons I specified a moment ago. But if you couldn't eat it on Purim, and this is a makeup Suda, the daytime only rule no longer applies. Why? Because it's nothing to do with the mitzvah sayoim, and it makes more sense to eat the Suda at night and not to push it off until the following day, because Rizimakdimim, now you have the opportunity to eat the Suda. It's the makeup Suda for the Suda you missed. Do it sooner rather than later. That's the opinion of the Meshechochma. But the Chazam Sefer, in his Sefer of Droshus, this Drosha was from Parsha Zohar in 1832, he says as follows, he says differently. In his opinion, the halacha is that you always have to have the Purim Suda in the day during the day, even if it's a day after Purim, and Purim is on Shabbos, so you're doing the Tashlumin Su'uda, you have to do it in the day. You can't say that because it's not a Shabbos and it's only a Tashlumin that I'm going to do it in the night. In fact, he uses this particular idea to learn Pshat in a Gemara, the, the Gemara from which we derive this halacha that the Purim Suda has to be in the daytime. I want to read this Gemara to you. It's fascinating and his interpretation of this Gemara is enlightening. It's beautiful. This is a Gemara in Megillah, Meseches Megillah, Dav Zayin, Omid Beis. You should look it up and I'm going to read it to you here and you'll have the source sheet uh, um, uh, which you can look at after. You can click on the link and you'll be able to see the source link. Omar Rova. Rova says, Su'udas Purim she'achola balayla lo yotzo. If you ate Su'udas Purim at night, you didn't discharge your duty. Lo yotzo yadei choy My timer, what's the reason, says Rova, for this halacha? Because the Megillah actually says, the words of the Megillah include, Yemei mishteh v'simcha. The word Yemei is days. Yemei Mishta Vesimcha, talking about the days of Purim, talking about Purim and Shushan Purim, they were daytime events, they weren't nighttime events, and therefore you have to have the festive meal of Purim in the daytime, not at night. That's the source of the halacha that you must eat the Su'uda during the day. The Gemara then tells a story. It's a fascinating story. Listen to this amazing story recorded in Megillah Dav Zayin Omid Beis. Rav Ashi have a Yosef Kamei Rav Kahana. Rav Ashi, he was a rabbi, great rabbi. In fact, he was one of the editors, the final editors of the Gemara that we have. Everything that we have in Talmud Bavli, he was one of the editors. It was Ravina and Rav Ashi. His Rebbe was Rabbi Kahana, Rav Kahana. And he was once sitting in the base Medrash of Rav Kahana. Nega velo asura bonon. 
and it was it was Purim, and nobody came. None of the students of the base medrash arrived in the base medrash. Purim afternoon, no one's there. Amale, my time So Rav Ashi says to his Rebbe, Rav Kahana, why is nobody coming today? Why is the base medrash empty? Dilma Tridabisudas Purim. So Rav Kahana answered him, he said, perhaps they're very busy with Sudas Purim, that's why they're not coming to the, uh, to, to the Bes Medrash to learn, that's why it's just you and me here today, we're on our own. All right, that's what he answered him. So Rav Ashi responded, Says Rav Ashi to Rav Kahana, he says, really? They're busy with Sudas Purim? What a poor excuse! Surely they could have had Sudas Purim last night. Sraf Kahana looked at him, perplexed, surprised. He says, Rav Ashi, my dear friend, didn't you hear what Rava said? That somebody who has Sudas Purim at night hasn't fulfilled their task, that hasn't discharged their duty? It's, what are you talking about? Why would you suggest that they would, could have had their suda last night and their bunch of batlonim, they're lazy because they don't come to the base of Medrash during the day because they're busy with the Purim suda, they could have had it last night. No, they couldn't have had it last night because last night you couldn't be Yoitza, the suda of Sudas Purim. So what are you saying? That's what Rav Kahana responded to Rav Ashi. Omalei, Omarova Hochi. So Rav Ashi looked at Rav Kahana in complete shock. He says to him, really? That's what Rava said? I never knew that. Omale in. So Rav Kahana looked at him and said, yes, actually, that's exactly what Rava said. And what happened then is even more amazing. He learned this halacha over, he repeated it to himself 40 times. So that he should, as it were, stick it into his wallet that it should be so firmly embedded into his head that he would never forget this halacha again. That's the story. Says the Chassam Soifer, the Gemara seems to imply that Rav Ashi didn't know the halacha, that you can't have the Suda in the night, you can only have it in the day. The Chassam Soifer says, really? How's that even possible? Rav Ashi, the great Rav Ashi, a Talmud Chochem, one of the greatest rabbis of his generation. Okay, at this stage he's still only a Talmud of Rav Kahana, but so what? This great rabbi, this knowledgeable person, wouldn't know this basic halacha? That you can't have Sudas Purim at night, you have to wait until the day? He'd never heard it before? It makes no sense that Rav Ashi had never heard this halacha before. So the Chassam Sofer explains that the Gemara is not talking about an ordinary Purim. Do you know what this story is talking about? It's talking about a Purim that occurred on Shabbos and the Suda had to be pushed off. Rav Ashi thought that in such a situation you could have the Suda at night because it's not a normal Purim, it, Purim it's a Tashlumin Suda. It's just a make-up Suda for the one that you missed on Purim because you can't have Suda's Purim on Shabbos and you don't have to wait until the day. So Rav Kana taught him a new halacha. Do you know what the halacha is? That Rava says that even a nidche suda, even a tashlumin suda, has to be eaten during the day. We have a difference of opinion between the Meshech Chochmah 
and the Chassam Seifer. Rabbi Simcha, the Meshachachma, seems to be saying that the main Chiyuv for all the mitzvahs of Purim is in the daytime, not night. But that only applies if it's actually Purim. If it isn't Purim, it's just a make-up Suda, because you didn't do Suda on Shabbos, and now it's Matzah Shabbos Sunday. Who cares if it's in the day or the night? It's not relevant, because no longer Purim. That was a mitzvah or halacha that's only relevant to Purim. Now, it's not Purim. It's a make-up. You can do it at night. In fact, the sooner you do it, the better. But the Chassam Seifer has a different opinion. He believes that there is a specific requirement for the Suda, that it has to be during the day, whether or not it's Purim. In fact, it's not important if it's Purim. The mitzvah of the Suda is during the day. It's, it can't be done at night, even if it's a Motzei Shabbos Sunday, Nidche Tashlumin Suda. Now, why does the Chassam Sofer insist that the Suda has to be in the day? Let's look at another drosha of the Chassam Sofer, this one from Purim in 1836. The Chassam Sofer brings up the halacha that Sudas Purim, on Purim, has to be in the day. That's what we've been talking about. It's this Gemara in Megillah Daf Zayin Omid Beis. And that the Beis Yosef actually said, this is fascinating. The Beis Yosef says, you're not allowed to eat meat uh, to break the fast after Tanis Esther. You're not allowed to have a meat meal. Why? Because then people might think, oh, this is Sudas Purim. And then they won't be makpid, they won't be fussy about having a proper su'uda during the day um, on, on Purim itself, on Purim day. That's the halach of the, that the Beis Yosef brings down. The Chassam Sofer quotes an interesting chazal. Listen carefully, it's fascinating. When Moshe Rabbeinu was on Har Sinai, Moses was receiving the Torah from God, from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. How did he know if it was day or night? He was in this cloud. He was in heaven. He was communing with God. How did he know if it was day or night? Say Chazal, it's in Perikah It says as follows. When it was Torah Shabbat it was daytime. When he was learning Torah Shabbat with Hashem, then it was daytime. When it was Torah Shabbat then he knew it was nighttime. And actually, Chazal add that the best time for learning Torah Shabbat is during the day. And the best time for learning Torah Shabbat the oral Torah, which is the support structure for the Torah, that's at night time. And if you look at Rekenati, Rabbi Nachman ben Binyomi Rekenati, who's a 13th century Italian Kabbalist, he says as follows, he sets it out very, very clearly. Veda ki tzorich odom lis asik b'toyosh b'chsav bayoim uv'toyosh b'alpeh balayla. It is imperative for a person to focus mainly on Torah Shabbat during the day and to do his Torah Shabbat at night. That's an interesting idea and uh, we need to kind of unpack it. I'm not going to unpack it completely today, but I'm going to give you an idea, something for you to think about. Therefore, because the major aspect of Purim was Kabbalah's HaTorah Shabbat Right? We're talking about Baal One should eat the Suda specifically at night. It would make most sense if it's true to say the Torah Shabbat the oral law, which, uh, which gives all the details that we need in order to understand Torah Shabbat the written law, the Torah, 
If the main time for the study of that Torah is at night, when should we eat Su'udas Purim? It's obvious, we have to eat it at night. That's when it should be. Why? It's Torah Shabbat pair time. So why don't we eat the Su'udas Purim at night time? This is the Chassam Sofer, it's brilliant. The Chassam Sofer explains that it would make no sense to eat the Torah Shabbat pair Purim Suda at night. Do you know why? Because if that was the thought process, it would amount to a fundamental error. It would mean that you really didn't understand what Torah Shabbat Peh is all about. Purim is not just about Torah Shabbat Peh. Of course not. On its own, Torah Shabbat Peh has no value. Because Torah Shabbat only works with Torah Shabbat Peh. And Torah Shabbat Peh only works with Torah Shabbat They are two halves of the same uh, piece. They come together as one. Without each other, they have no value. Torah Shabbat on its own cannot really have meaning because it doesn't have Torah Shabbat Peh. But you can't have Torah Shabbat Peh on its own because it means you've discarded Torah Shabbat that somehow you've got a new Torah. Could Torah Shabbat Peh, but Torah Shabbat is not important. We revere Torah Shabbat the written Torah, but we know that without Torah Shabbat Peh, it cannot be understood. We eat the Suda during the day to demonstrate that by accepting Torah Shabbat Peh, Kiyamu the Kiblu HaYehudim on Purim, not only were we accepting Torah Shabbat Peh, but we were also finally accepting Torah Shabbat properly. Because there is no Shlemus, it cannot be complete. The Torah Shabbat Sav is never going to be what it's meant to be without Torah Shabbat Peh. It's impossible. With this Chiddush of the Chassam Sofer, and it's brilliant, with this Chiddush of the Chassam Sofer, we can understand why in the other Drosha and in his Psak Halacha, the Chassam Sofer is so insistent that even on Sunday, after a Shabbos Purim, the Suda has to be during the day, not on Motzah Shabbos. It doesn't have to do with Yoim Purim. That's Meshech Chochmah's idea, that it's to do with the Mitzvah Sayoim, and if that's no longer relevant, then you can do it at night time. No, no, it's got nothing to do with that. It has to do with the symbolic connection between Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat Because the Simcha, is not just about Torah Baal Peh on its own, in a solitary way. It's completely combined. In fact, it underpins Torah Shabbat Sav. There are two reasons why people find it hard to study Torah Shabbat Peh, which is mainly uh, through the Gemara, Talmud, Talmud Bavli, Talmud Yerushalmi, but even Medrashim. People find it very difficult to study Torah Shabbat Peh, whereas they don't find it difficult to study Torah Shabbat Think You can read, people read Psukim in Torah, they read it in Nevi'im, they read it in, in Ksuvim. The first reason is, it's simpler. There are no hard concepts in Torah Shabbat I'm talking, about, of course, behind the stories and behind what it says, there are hard concepts, but it's basic facts, it's information, it's not difficult. There's no detailed arguments or points of view, there's no Toisfus, there's no Ritva, there's no Rashba, there's no Rishonim, no Achreinim. 
you can just read, of course there are commentaries on Torah, but you can read through the Torah and it makes perfect sense. It doesn't tax your brain. Torah Shabbat Peh, however, requires hard work. If you really want to do it properly, you've got to go through it line by line. You've got to make sure that you understand every word in each line. And sometimes there's multiple ways of understanding each line. And each concept can relate to many other concepts that are contained elsewhere in the Gemara. And it's a function of Rashi and Toysfus to guide us. And then we go further into Rishonim and Acharonim. And in all kinds of ways, we draw out more and more meaning from the Gemara. It's Mayim She'ein Lehem Soif. It's water that has no edge. It, it goes on forever. And people, when it comes to that level of learning, that level of investment in, in intellectual pursuit, they can't be bothered exerting themselves. It's too much. It's too much pressure. It's much easier to read the Parsha of the week. That's what they do. Now, that's the first reason why people tend not to look at Torah Shabbat Peh as much as they do Torah Shabbat A second reason is this. People don't see why all the details of Torah Shabbat Peh are relevant. Why they're even relevant to them. They don't see it. In fact, for many people, this is interesting, the study of Torah Shabal Peh has become very similar to their study of Torah Shabich Sav. They read through it quickly, right? Think about it. I'm not going to say anything bad, and I, I would like to encourage anyone who's listening to the Shia, watching the Shia, they should study as much Gemara as they can, and hopefully they'll be able to delve more into it as time goes by. But isn't it interesting that the study of Torah Baal Peh has taken on this Torah Sav type of behavior? If they find something a little challenging, if somebody's reading through a Gemara and finds it a little challenging, well, he'll skim over it or skip it and go to the next piece. You know, the, the point is just finishing the piece. It's not that I have to, be, have to put effort into it to understand it. I can't always understand the concept. It's complicated. It's uh, remote. It's something that I don't find relevant to my life. It's not relevant to me. I don't need to understand it in every level of detail. That's a Torah Sab way of looking at it. It's not relevant, um, right? The detail is not relevant. I just need to read through it and that's going to be enough. But the reality is totally different. A true Torah life is full of complexities. It's full of challenges. It's full of contradictions and it's never, or it shouldn't be, superficial or shallow. And it is these two reasons, the first being that people find it hard to learn Torah Shabbat Peh, and the second, that people find it irrelevant to them and therefore can't be bothered with it. Those are the two reasons, those are the two reasons which are the background to the celebration of the two festivals that we have that are, as it were, not in the Torah, even though one of them is in Torah Shabbat Sav, in terms of Tanakh, they are Golus festivals, Hanukkah and Purim. Those two reasons underpin those two Chagim. What was the challenge to the Jewish people at the time of Hanukkah? Hisrashlus, hitrashlut. You know what that means? It's a level of negligence, apathy, like disinterest. We don't want to get involved. The Jewish people were not ready 
to take risks and they were not ready to put themselves in challenging situations for their Judaism. How did the Chashmanoim, the Maccabees, how did Matisyor, Kohen Godel, the Kohanim, who took a stand, how did they change that? By being Moise Nefesh. The other side, the flip side of that coin is to be Moise Nefesh, to take risks, to be willing to take on challenges, to counteract the apathy that had taken a hold of Jewish life. That's what had happened. The Chashmanoim were the opposite. They were reverse of that. And that's the essence of Tersha Balpeh, that first reason of Tersha Balpeh, to be Moise Nefesh, not to just give up and say, I can't be bothered. It's, not, it's, it's, it's too hard for me. I don't want to do it. No pain. Remember I said that at the beginning? No gain. Without effort, without investment, intellectual investment, there's no such thing as Tersha Balpeh. The Chashmanoim brought back the essence of Tersha Balpeh to Klal Yisrael, to the Jewish people. Now, at the beginning of the Purim story, Jews, the Jewish people, saw no reason why they couldn't enjoy a festive meal with Achashvera. She was celebrating, celebrating his kingdom. They thought, we can also celebrate with him and we can still be good Jews. There was no law against that in the Torah. They looked through their Torah, the their superficial understanding of the Torah, then that's not a problem. I mean, obviously we're not going to eat anything treif, but what's the, what's the problem? They couldn't understand why Mordechai was so fanatical. Don't go to the Su'uda of Achashverosh. Why not? Why shouldn't we go? What's wrong with it? They couldn't, basically, they thought he was a complete fanatic in every aspect of his Judaism. I can be relaxed about my Judaism. I don't have to worry so much. I don't have to go into such detail. I looked in the Torah, it seems okay. But Mordechai was the definition of Torah Shabal Peh. A Torah Shabal Peh that gives meaning to Torah Shabal Everything is relevant. There's details that you don't know if you have a superficial reading. That's Mordechai. After the miracle occurred, the Jews suddenly realized, the Jews of Persia, in Parasu Modai, they realized that what they thought they knew they didn't know at all. Their Torah Shebiqsav was lacking. They didn't have it. It was shallow and ultimately it was leading them down the wrong path. They were heading towards oblivion. Once the miracle happened, they saw that only Mordechai's way gave Torah Shebiqsav any real meaning. That is the Yom Tov of Purim. Le'yehudim ha'isa oira zu Torah. Torah is the essence of Purim. On Hanukkah, we celebrate the Mesiris Nefesh, the sacrifice that people are willing to make for Torah Shabbat Peh. But on Purim, we celebrate Torah Shabbat because Torah Shabbat has no value without Torah Shabbat Peh. I wish you all a Purim Sameach. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to seeing, seeing you or being with you to learn more Torah next week. Thank you.